It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On first down, and five one. Now he throws, and it's caught after the bobble by the tight end Kyle Rudolph, and he takes it all the way down. To the Jaguars 32-yard line. Bradford from the shotgun. Airing it out, looking for Adam Thielen. And Thielen is finally forced out of bounds. Second big pass play for the Vikings. As Bradford goes deep, and a diving catch is made by Diggs. Stefan Diggs to the Jaguars 14-yard line. 46-yard connection to Asiata, and he forces his way across the goal line for a Vikings touchdown. Off the fake to Asiata. Bradford throws, end zone, touchdown, Kyle Rudolph. It was good to get a win today. Um, offensively, we moved the ball well. We didn't shoot ourselves in the foot on that side of the ball very, very much today. Uh, we moved the ball. We struggled, obviously, inside the five-yard line, but... Uh, you know, that's a really good defensive football team they have, so I was really proud of the, the offense and the things they did. And defensively, you know, we had that one bad drive with all the penalties, so we got to get that cleaned up because uh, that'll come back to beat us. And then, uh, uh, you know, I thought special teams, we did, a, we did a nice job. We had four field goals and uh, uh, blocked a punt and uh, blocked a f- uh, field goal. A balmy two degrees outside in the Twin Cities. And the Minnesota Vikings are victorious in sunny Jacksonville on Sunday afternoon. Sam Ekstrom and Sage Rosenfels with you. Your favorite podcast, Locked on Vikings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, breaking down the Vikings' seventh victory of the season, staying alive in the NFC playoff picture. The Vikings get no help yesterday, Sage, but they keep pace with all of their competitors, a 25-16 win. And Mike Zimmer might have been the luckiest of us. He only had to subject one of his eyes to that first half of football. Yes, this was not a fun game to watch. It was not uh, what the NFL hopes for uh, when it uh, talks about its football games. It was an ugly football game. Uh, It wasn't played very well. Uh, The offenses were not exciting. Uh, The defenses were okay. Um, I, I can't say it was sloppy, uh, but it wasn't uh, executed at, at a very high level. So uh, lucky enough, the Vikings get a win. Jacksonville is a bad football team. They're not Cleveland, uh, but they are one of the worst teams in the NFL, that's for sure. There were just a lot of goofy things that Jacksonville did yesterday. I think they had they had a holding call on a, on a punt protection. They had two three and outs on one drive surrounding a fake punt. Um, they had a field goal blocked. 
They had a punt blocked. That was an ugly, ugly game. And if not for Marquise Lee making some spectacular catches, I think I was even more underwhelmed by Blake Bortles than I expected. That That is a quarterback going in the wrong direction. And we talked to Kerry Belkin of Locked On Jaguars on Friday, and he was right. I mean, that's a team that doesn't have much fight. That's a team that doesn't really have a quarterback. And Gus Bradley may not be there for long. No, I think this Gus Bradley might be one of the first uh, fires in the NFL. I think he's very well liked around from the players, the organization. He was very well liked in Seattle uh, when he got that job. A lot of people thought he'd be a perfect fit. Um, you know, one thing that I learned over the years is uh, when you have a defensive head coach, a lot of times they don't understand offense that well. They don't understand the importance of certain offensive coordinators, why one is better than the other. They believe, you know, a lot of times they just believe that, well, if my old coordinator ran an offense and my new quarter coordinator runs the same offense, we should have similar results. And I, I couldn't disagree with that, uh, that idea more. And I think that Blake Bortles has gotten worse, and some of that is going to be on Blake Bortles for sure. I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching down there in Tampa, in particular the offensive coaching. Uh, you can tell – uh, just as a guy who I've been around the game a long, long time, the offensive coaching on that football team is not of the highest quality, and I think that's helped helped cause Blake Bortles to become a worse quarterback uh, than he was last year, and probably as bad as he was, you know, going back to his rookie year a few years ago. Uh, he is uh, he is really struggling, and there's a good chance he won't be in Jacksonville next year either. Fascinating. And you mentioned a defensive head coach, which obviously the Minnesota Vikings have. That's why Mike Zimmer brought in Norv Turner. That's why he surrounded himself with Tony Sperano and Pat Shermer, because he understood his weaknesses. And I think that's, that's a magnanimous thing to do as a head coach is to recognize where you are not strong. And the Vikings passing game yesterday, I thought was pretty acceptable, at least between the 20s. They had a lot of big plays on the sidelines, a lot of intermediate passes over the middle. The Vikings weren't perfect in the passing game. Sam Bradford was not 100% accurate on all his throws, but unlike games against Detroit earlier in the season or unlike a game against Washington where you can't work it down the field, Sam Bradford was connecting on some longer throws, particularly early in that game, had a 45-yarder to Diggs, 44 yards to Rudolph, 41 yards to Adam Thielen, and that led to, I believe, nine Vikings points. So when you can connect on some of those deeper throws, it makes up for mistakes later on, and it puts points on the scoreboard. And it's much more attractive to watch when you've got a guy who can get it downfield to some of these receivers. It is. This Jacksonville defense, uh, you know, the philosophy is very similar to what they have in Seattle. That's where Gus Bradley came from. So that defense in Seattle is not complicated, you know, with Richard Sherman out there playing corner. And, you know, but the, the players that they have in Seattle – uh, are as good as there is in the NFL. They've got tremendous talent along that defense, and that goes back to their GM, John Schneider, um, who, who has done a great job, and him and Pete Carroll have done a great job of picking guys in the draft but also developing them. Well, Jacksonville runs the same defense but does not have the same ingredients to that defense, so the talent is not there. They don't have the pass rushers that, again, Seattle has always had the last uh, you know, five or six years. So that it allows fairly simple coverages, which, again, Seattle runs, but Jacksonville runs those fa fairly simple coverages. But without the pass rush means there's big openings down the field, and you can get uh, some big shots 
uh, in a defense like that. You know, the Tampa 2 defense is great, but if you don't have a real good pass rusher, there's really big holes to it. And if a quarterback can sit back there uh, all day, uh, you can you can take some shots down the field. And that that's what happened yesterday with Sam Bradford, and the offensive line did a pretty good job of protecting him, allowing him to work the ball down the field. And uh, But, man, once they get to the red zone, this Vikings offense just seems to stall you know, each and every week, and that has been – one of the biggest problems they've had throughout the entire season. Yeah, a couple things to unpack there. It, it seems like the offense is getting closer to being unified, not quite there yet. For instance, you know, to the last two weeks, the Vikings run the ball at a 4.8 yards per carry clip, which is very respectable, but the passing game wasn't quite there yet. They were still pretty stagnant. You know, they scored 13 against Detroit, 15 against Dallas. Now this week, great protection. Sam Bradford does not get sacked, throws for 292 yards, but the running game goes away. 2.9 yards per carry and stoned numerous times at the goal line. I mean, I don't know what to say. It, it, it feels like there was a time there when they were really getting creative at the goal line. You think back to the early weeks of Shermer, they were doing some play action, which they actually did later in this game and scored. They had Linval Joseph lining up as a fullback. I don't know where that went, but I wish they'd bring it back and do it every down. That tight end sweep with Red Allison. But it seems like the play calling is a little stagnant at this point inside the five. Well, so, so there is play calling that goes on, uh, which is, might be stagnant inside the five, but... You know, this is the issue with Sam Bradford. And, you know, despite the fact I, I was I was looking through quarterbacks last night. I wrote my article on Jameis Winston uh, for today for, for the score. Um, and I'm looking at the percentages in the NFL, the the completion percentages. And Sam Bradford's throwing for, it looks like, 70, over 71%. Um, extremely high. You rarely see a player, you know, throw in the 70s throughout an entire season. But the issue with Sam is that, uh, he, he doesn't make plays enough. And a lot of time, if you're down near the five-yard line, yes, execution uh, is very important, and creativity with the offensive coordinator is important. But you have to have a quarterback that, when called upon to go back there and, uh, and make a throw, uh, and, and that throw is not there, still, the, the, I mean, that, that, that does not mean the play is over. Uh, there's still a chance that the offense can score a touchdown, and the quarterback has to have the ability with his legs and his arm uh, to create something out of nothing. And uh, Bradford really struggles with that. He just isn't that type of athlete. He's an extremely accurate quarterback. Uh, he doesn't miss throws very often, but he's very, very accurate. He puts the ball in the money, but he doesn't create. And that's one thing the Vikings very much are missing uh, is Teddy Bridgewater and his ability to create and use his legs inside the 10-yard line. Sage, is there an art to the one-yard QB sneak across the goal line? Are some quarterbacks not good at it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's different ways to do it and for different reasons. I mean, you saw I saw Drew Brees yesterday, and you've seen him in the past dive over and, and stick the ball out uh, to get that one yard before the defense comes and tries to knock it away. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of different – and, and, and that, that, that there's, there's danger – uh, to doing that, and and there was there was offenses I was around where you only were allowed to do that on fourth down because they didn't want you to fumble on say first, second, or third down uh, to only stick the ball out on fourth down. But yeah, there's different ways to sneak it, and there's different coaching too. I mean, some coaches will double team a, a nose tackle or double team a three technique, and and I mean you can tell that New England has it down to a science. They don't just go up there and just try to plow forward and wedge block. They really do have a game plan. They have a blocking scheme 
uh, for every QB sneak that they run. Uh, and they, they get to, it seems like two or three yards every single time. And so uh, I, I don't know if the Vikings are that detailed in that, or they just sort of wedge forward and, and, and plow forward and try to get a yard. But uh, I think the more detailed you are on a QB sneak, uh, the more successful you're going to be. Do you want to have your mind blown here, Sage? Let's do it. All right. Yesterday, the Vikings scored 25 points. That was the most points their offense has produced all season. Every other game, they scored above 25 or equal to 25. The defense had to score for them. That was a a record-setting performance yesterday. Well, this is the reason the Vikings are, you know, just barely in the playoff mix right now. Their offense has not been up to par uh, the entire year. That is an amazing stat. 25 points, you wouldn't think is, is that many points for an NFL offense to be asked to a score, to score on occasion. Um, I did not realize that. I, I did predict uh, on Twitter before the game the Vikings would win by 10, but, but I thought they'd score a defensive touchdown. Seems like they always do that in their wins. Um, and uh, But they did win by nine, but with, with no defensive touchdown. So, um it's, it's a shame because they've got some good players in that offense. They do a lot of good things. They just seem to kick a lot of field goals once they get inside the 20. Kai Forbath still perfect on field goals since coming over. He did miss an extra point yesterday after the Vikings had a false start by Rhett Ellison on the initial try. We've got some injury updates in a second, but a quick reminder that if you love football and you want to get in the action before the season is done, check out BetDSI. Dot com. If you wager on the Vikings the last two weeks, they covered the spread. And they are three-and-a-half-point favorites against Indianapolis on Sunday. BetDSI.com has been in business over 20 years. They're a top-rated business, extremely safe, and a great football special right now. Sign up today and get 10 free bucks just to try their service. BetDSI is also offering a 100% bonus on your first deposit. That's superb. They have great customer service, fast and easy payments, hundreds of football and basketball wagers to choose from. You've also got hockey in the mix, college bowl season right around the corner, in-game wagering as well on all sporting events. You can play virtually anything at BetDSI, BetDSI.com. Go there now and use promotion code VIKINGS10 to get your free wager and start winning today. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Injury updates for the Vikings. Laquan Treadwell left the game very early with an ankle malady. And concussions suffered by Trey Waynes and Brandon Fusco. I'm not sure what the concussion protocol was like when you played Sage maybe 10 years ago. But there's no guarantee that these guys will play next week. Just take a look at Joe Berger, who was concussed in the Detroit game has now missed two consecutive, even though he practiced a little bit this week, still had some lingering symptoms from the concussion. Nick Easton's had to take his place. Now Fusco and Waynes going through the same thing. Another offensive lineman down for the Vikings, 
And just when you think Berger might be coming back, you might be getting a little healthier on the line. Now you lose your right guard potentially in Fusco. Well, we could probably do an entire podcast show uh, on concussions. Maybe we'll, we'll write that one down for this offseason. We'll talk about the difference between how they deal with concussions now to how they dealt with them uh, during the early 2000s uh, when I was playing. I mean, I there is a situation where we had a player knocked out when I was playing for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, knocked out, unconscious, uh, who came back in the game later that game. And at the time, the uh, I think it was like the New York Jets uh, rheumatologist or something, it wasn't even like a, a head trauma guy, was in charge of the NFL's concussion rules, and he had, he had said that you can be knocked out in a football game and come back and, and there would be no further damage to somebody's head or somebody's brain. So how the world has changed with concussions, and I think that's better for the players. To The longer you sit out, let the, let the brain heal as much as possible uh, before coming back into the game. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a part of the sport. You can't really avoid it. Big people running around as fast as they can, hitting each other. There's going to be concussions no matter what type of helmet or equipment that you use. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's one of those things you don't want to hurry a player back too quickly. You know, maybe if it's a, a finger injury or an elbow or an ankle sprain or something, you, you, sh- you try to push the player to get back in the field as quickly as possible. But with concussions, you have to make sure they're, they are 100% okay. I may have asked you this question before, so I apologize if it's a repeat, but have you had a concussion? Have, have, yeah, I had probably, I think, three over the course of my life. I had one in high school. Uh, I think I had one in college, though it wasn't really diagnosed. I definitely knew uh, I was dizzy for about a half um, and, uh, and not quite right. And I had one in the NFL uh, during my infamous Rosencopter uh, play. But again, um, that was not diagnosed. You know, at the time, I, I came off the sidelines. No one walked up to me and said, are you okay? Uh, uh, or if they did, I don't remember it, but uh, I must have acted okay enough. There wasn't this protocol where they put you through all this te- all these testing uh, procedures and things like that. But I don't remember much uh, after, that, uh, at the, after that play, even though there was about four minutes left in the football game. And I don't really remember much after the game in the locker room and things like that either. So, yeah, I had a few in my career, but uh, luckily as a quarterback, I didn't have as many as, say, a fullback or a middle linebacker. I recently saw the concussion movie with Will Smith, and I thought it was incredibly poignant. I'm not sure uh, if you've seen it or if you have opinions about it, but extremely enlightening exactly how he explains it scientifically, what hits to the head can do repeatedly. Uh, Have you seen that? I have not seen that movie, but I have seen the documentary, uh, the Frontline documentary. I'm not sure if you've seen that one, but that one is spectacular um, and pretty amazing. Uh, the, the the political aspects of concussions in the NFL and big business, uh, that one is a must-watch must for NFL fans. I think if you love the sport, you love the game, um, you need to watch that uh, that Frontline documentary, which really I think – spurred on a lot of this conversation that we're talking about with concussions. I mean, you want to know how uh, political that, that documentary was. ESPN was one of the producers of it, and just weeks before it was set to come out uh, on PBS, uh, they actually took their name off it and wanted no part of it um, because the NFL put pressure on them uh, to stay away from it. So the, 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 those, those, two, uh, those, are, those have been two very enlightening you know, one a movie and one a documentary, but uh, enlightening shows about 
concussions and its history and and what the NFL is going to have to do going forward. It's an important issue to take interest in because if we want to have football in 40 years, we can't turn our blind eye to the issue or put our heads in the sand. We have to address it, create a discussion point so that we can come up with a solution. And you see it slowly happening with the NFL emphasizing player safety, penalizing hits to the head. I think the cultural discussion is starting to to trickle down to the youth levels where tackling is being coached better. There's no longer this gladiator warrior mentality with seventh grade football. People are taking it seriously. We need to come up with a solution as a society to keep this game going rather than pretend like it's not a problem or else we're going to have more and more horror stories like you see in concussion, like you see in Frontline? Well, I think this is one issue why uh, the sport of boxing um, has become less and less popular. I think people sort of got grossed out by it, and, and um, in particular Muhammad Ali, you know, seeing him have, I think it was Parkinson's disease at the age of 50 uh, and having those issues at such a young age. Um, and, yeah, for, for the long-term viability of the league, it's such a great sport. Um, but I'm not sure if football was just invented today – if people would accept it, I'm not sure if that would people, I think people would think it's too violent. Uh, there's too many injuries, too many uh, head injuries in the sport, but it's so popular and it's such a great team sport. And for me, taught me so many life lessons. I think it's a, it's an important sport and something that I hope doesn't go by the wayside. Uh, I enjoyed playing it. Uh, I enjoyed uh, be, being a part of my life. Um, but uh, yeah, the NFL has had to, and we'll continue to have to try to make some changes to make it as safe as possible. Let's talk X factors. Mine is the defensive line. Four sacks yesterday, two from Everson Griffin, one from Brian Robinson, one from Daniil Hunter. And it continues a trend of about a month where the defensive line has been outstanding. Remember, during that initial four-game losing streak, there was a huge pass rush dry spell where guys like Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Jay Cutler were getting very comfortable in the pocket. No pressure on them whatsoever. And the Vikings have snapped out of that the past four games. Arizona, Detroit, Dallas, and now Blake Bortles victimized by a really good pass rush, doing it oftentimes without much blitz, getting home and making plays. They really set the tone early in this last one with, I think, two sacks on the first two series. That defensive line is going to be a huge reason why the Vikings run the table, if indeed that is their fate. Well, my X factor uh, was something that wasn't actually on the field, but it was on Mike Zimmer's eye. It was the combination of the eye patch and the sunglasses. I felt like he was was changing it up based off of the sun, based off of offense, defense, special teams – where the ball was on the field. I think he had a little bit of that uh, uh, looking for some luck out there uh, <laughs> with, with, with the eye patch sunglass combination. And uh, I think that might have been the key to victory yesterday. I was really hoping that there'd be some kind of marketing ploy or at least at least have a Vikings logo embroidered on the eye patch or maybe get a sponsor for it like Lens Crafters and have it on the eye patch. Definitely missed an opportunity to make a few bucks there if you're Mike Zimmer. I think he, that's a, definitely a sponsorable accessory. Well, uh, yeah, he's probably the only one that had one yesterday, and, and that's the thing is he, he's only going to get so many opportunities uh, to have it, and you have to jump on it while the iron's hot and – 
And uh, you hope he didn't uh, miss an opportunity to make make some money yesterday. Yeah, he said he is wearing it for the rest of the season. So that's at least three more games, maybe uh, some postseason games as well. Apparently, Zimmer had some kind of guard on the sideline to make sure he didn't get hit. And there was one play, it was like a a 12-yard run by Jacksonville, where there were about three guys that came barreling out of bounds and nearly took him out. That could have been a devastating hit. Well, I actually was watching when I saw him on the sidelines. I covered my, I think it was my right eye yesterday, and just tried to, you know, look out and imagine, I mean, your depth perception, all these things are totally screwed up and I could just imagine uh you know a, a, a comeback throw or some sort of out route coming towards the sideline and him not really even realizing it's that close to him until it's smack dab on him and hitting him you know right in the face or something I mean it, it really does mess with your vision when you cover one eye uh, and luckily he, he went through that game without any uh, serious uh, further damage to it. Yeah, we take for granted our vision a lot, and Mike Zimmer's realizing how important it is. He said he's going to have another surgery in three to four months that should finally put to bed all of his procedures, but that's a long time if he's got to deal with uh, with eye difficulty. And I wonder how driving is. i got to imagine that would be either very tough or impossible at this point for him. Yeah, that can't be easy. I'm guessing uh, either he has to get a ride from somebody or, or he is just sleeping in his office, which is what a lot of coaches do in December. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Well, uh, Vikings win. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 25-16. They're 3-0 against the AFC South, and they try to sweep the AFC South on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. We'll have a lot of Colts preview and continue with our Jacksonville review as the week progresses. Sage Rosenfels back with us on Wednesday. See you, Sage. Have a good one. At Sage Rosenfels18 on Twitter, I'm Sam Ekstrom. At Sam Ekstrom, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Check out Locked On Timberwolves with Zach Bennett. They played the Warriors yesterday. Probably a lot of good banter from that game. Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson, our flagship podcast. This has been Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.